Good morning, everybody. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Christian Worldview with Dr. Tony Beam. We really appreciate you choosing this radio program, and we hope you're going to enjoy the show today. This is Tony Beam, Director of Church and Community Engagement for the Tim Brazier Campus of North Greenville University, where Christ makes the difference and where we are equipping transformational leaders for the church and for society, as they say. Um, I also serve as Director of Public Policy for the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and I'm currently the interim pastor at Five Forks Baptist Church in Simpsonville. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 1030, and if you don't have a church home, you would be welcome to come and hear me preach and uh, meet the good folks at Five Forks. It's a good church. All right, yesterday um, we were down in Columbia. I was down in Columbia with a lot of my friends because we had the South Carolina Baptist luncheon uh, for the legislature. It was uh, barbecue and fried chicken and just all the kind of stuff Baptists like to eat. And turns out legislators like that too because we had a good turnout from the Senate and the House, and I appreciate the Senate and House leadership who um, gave some breaks yesterday because they knew we were there and had set up all the food. And and so here's what happens when you plan stuff like this. If, if, you're gonna, if you plan to do a big meal, you have to, of course, put up a – we put up a tent that's – I don't know how long it is. It's long. And, um, you know, you, you get the food in there, um, and you try to set it up like from 1130 to 130 so that everybody's got time – if they're coming in for a session or coming out of a session, they have time to come by, spend some time talking with some of our leaders across the state, some of our Baptist leaders, and uh, other folks that we invite to this event, and then they uh, enjoy a meal. So the calendar got changed. I mean, last They were supposed to vote on the judges in a joint session last Wednesday. And, of course, this event, you have to set these events way in advance. We've already got the one set for next year. So um, when they moved the, the, the vote from last Wednesday to today, then it was starting to look like that everybody was going to be in session the whole time we were there. Uh, the Senate went in at 1145 yesterday, so we, we pushed our time up to 11 o'clock so that we could catch some senators before they went in. And then uh, the joint session began at noon. And then the House was in session. They started at 10 o'clock yesterday morning. Uh, and they had a lot of work to do. They were uh, dealing with a bunch of amendments that were being offered uh, against a CRT bill. And I meant to check before I went on the air. I, I don't know how that ended up. I need to look at it. Uh, but they were voting. When I had to leave yesterday so I could get to Five Forks for the Wednesday night service, um, I uh, they were voting down amendments, one after the other. I mean, just amendments that were basically designed um, to hold up the bill. So uh, I think there were 45 of them that had to be considered. There were hundreds being offered, and they limited it down to 45. So, um, But I'll, I'll try to check and see what happened. Over on the Senate side, uh, you know, yet the, yesterday the heartbeat bill, which they pulled out of the Medical Affairs Committee to the floor, was amended by Senator Cash from Anderson. He he struck the entire language of the heartbeat bill and inserted language from the Human Life Protection Act that would prevent abortion starting at conception, with the exceptions that the Senate always has to have in there. 
So um, there was a motion to table Senator Cash's strike and insert, and it failed 22 to 17. So we ended up with the Human Life Protection Act on the floor in the Senate to be voted on as an amendment. Well, as an amendment, it was voted down. And so the original heartbeat bill had second reading um, yesterday, and today it should uh, get third reading. Now, they'll, they'll have to push back against some amendments, I'm sure, offered by Sandy Sin from Charleston. But uh, if they're successful in that, the bill should get third reading today and head over to the House. Um, so in the meantime, uh, I checked the calendar yesterday. It doesn't look like that the House took any action on um, the Human Life Protection Act that's the House version. Uh, it came out of judiciary, and I think yesterday they spent most of the time on that CRT bill. So uh, they, they will likely take that up today because it, they had moved it up the calendar. And if it passes, then it'll head over to the Senate where um, it's very likely the Senate will uh, either – well, I don't know what will happen. But we'll have, we'll have the, the Human Life Protection Act that protects life beginning at conception over in the Senate and the Senate version, which is an updated version of the heartbeat bill, to go back. The plan is to go for it to go back through the South Carolina Supreme Court because now we have Justice, um, we have Justice Gary Hill. He was confirmed yesterday. Huge vote. I think there were only eight votes out of I maybe mean, it's 140 something to eight. So he's going to be on the uh, South Carolina Supreme Court. He'll be, but apparently that doesn't happen until the the end of uh, Kay Hearn's term. I didn't know if 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 he immediately went on or or what what, what the schedule was. But what I was told yesterday is that uh, Kay Hearn's schedule uh, she doesn't exit the court until the end of the, is it maybe the fiscal year or maybe it's June at the end of the session, and then uh, Justice Hill would take his seat uh, on the court. So, I, well, of course, there's not going to be any bill uh, to go back through the, the legislature. Nothing's going to make it through. Uh, and if, if it does, if we were to pass uh, a pro-life bill during this session, it would obviously have to go through the courts before it got back to the Supreme Court. So, Justice Hill would be on there by then. So the Supreme Court yesterday did address the request by Attorney General Alan Wilson to reconsider their decision on the heartbeat bill, and they rejected that. And I I felt like, I, you know, they waited till the last minute. I mean, they didn't announce this until yesterday, which yesterday is when Justice uh, Judge Hill was voted on and put on the court. So... Um, course they would have still had time i i thought justice hill would would be sworn in right after being elected but evidently that's not the way it works but we'll get clarification on all that this morning because we're going to have uh we're scheduled to have the attorney general he's been tied up a lot with it with the murdoch murder murder trial and so assuming that uh, he's going to be free this morning uh, we're going to talk about this ruling that the Supreme Court made to reject his request. And then we'll talk about the process of getting Justice Hill on the court and uh, talk about some other things going forward that the Attorney General's been working on. So we, we always look uh, forward to visiting with him. Um, I found a story this morning in the Greenville News I thought was kind of interesting. 
I guess everybody's noticed, and I, and I don't pay a whole lot of attention to this stuff, by the way. Um, just, I mean, I I've, I've seen the Confederate flag on I eighty five. Okay, if you if you're driving up and down eighty five, you in Spartanburg County, you can't help but see it uh, because it's on a hundred and twenty foot flagpole, and it's a thirty by fifty foot uh, Confederate Jack flag, Navy naval Confederate Jack flag. I think it's proper title for it um so the greenville news reporting today freedom of speech and the right to fly confederate flag on private property along interstate 85 is at the heart of a lawsuit filed by a local sons of confederate veterans camp against spartanburg county now here's here's the interesting thing about this the property it's about eight tenths of an acre and it's owned it's private property it's not public property and so the question is can you fly a confederate flag on private property is this a free speech question the you know this the confederate veterans are saying that it is sons of confederate veterans are saying that it is a free speech issue because it's on private property and they should be able to put up whatever message that they want to put up on private property that the county doesn't have the Spartanburg County doesn't have the right to come in and tell them that they can't put that flag on the flagpole. Well, the county is uh, being a little uh, shrewd here in the fact that they're admitting that they don't have the right to tell them that they can't put the flag up as a message. It's not, but they're saying it's not a speech issue; it's a permit issue, and that they didn't get the proper permits that you have to get in order to make changes to the land uh, that you own, even your own property, you have to get a permit if you're going to make make changes. That's according to the county's Unified Land Management Ordinance. Um, and there's also a performance zoning ordinance. So the county's basically saying, look, just stop talking to us about free speech. We, we understand that we can't tell you what message to put up, but we can tell you that we can fine you for not getting the proper permitting to put the flag up. So this is actually the the right of the county to manage the land, even even private property. They can put requirements on you as a private property owner, uh, and you're not above the law. You have to even if whatever your opinion is, whatever form of speech that you want to put forth, um, you you have to follow the law like everybody else. Well, the lawsuit that the Confederate veterans, Sons of Confederate Veterans, has filed is interesting because it basically says we have the permits that we were told that we have to to obtain. The lawyer uh, that's handling all this for the Sons of Confederate Veterans said that, um, well, let me let me find the exact place here. Uh, two weeks ago, okay, that, because this is a, a kind of a major development. Two weeks ago, the county's Board of Zoning Appeals voted 5-3 to three in favor of an appeal by the Sons of Confederate Veterans, saying the planning department made a mistake in issuing a notice of violation. So in other words, they're, they're admitting. The county's saying, well, yeah, we, we, were, we, we were wrong when we said that you were in violation here. The suit claims that prior to erecting the flagpole that the attorney for the group made several attempts to find out from county officials what, if any, permits were needed. 
And according to an October 13, 2020 document accompanying the suit, Greg Embry, County Building Codes Director, responded to Merting, who is the attorney for the Sons of Confederate Liberty. Uh, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting their name wrong, and I, I don't mean that. Co- Sons of Confederate, uh, Confederate Veterans. Um, the, that the county responded saying no permit is necessary for a flagpole. No permit is required for a flagpole. That's in the document. So this group went to the county and said, okay, we want to put up a flagpole. Can, can we, is there a permit required? And they finally got an answer, no permit is required. Well, they erected a 120-foot flagpole before the county turned around and passed an ordinance saying that the flag, a flagpole can only be 30 feet high. And so, in other words, the county took action after or put this after they put that flagpole up, but before the flag went up. So, and I mean, that that's an important thing. Uh, the flagpole was erected prior to September 27, 2022, when the county's performance zoning ordinance section limited the heights. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even an action by county council. It was the zoning board that took the action, limited the height of the flagpole to, of flagpoles in general to 30 feet. Thus, the flagpole is grandfathered in as a non-conforming issue. That's what the state for non-conforming use. In other words, they, we, we had the flagpole up before you put the ordinance in place. Um, and they actually didn't put the flag up until later. It was now the the flagpole the the limitation on the height of the flagpole was put in place after the flagpole was put up before the flag was raised and then the flag was raised sometime later and so the the only permits that they have they got a permit they had to get a permit to light the flag at night um, and they had to get a permit from uh, the FAA. Uh, making sure that, you know, it's 120 feet, that they know all about it, possibility of air traffic, I guess, that hopefully there's not an airplane at 120 feet flying over 85. That would be not good. So the the lawsuit is saying we did everything that we were supposed to do. This is about free speech. They're, they're saying the whole thing is about free speech, and the county is saying, nope, it's about our ability to manage the land. Um, and the county's claiming that they had to clear trees or they had to clear some of the land to put up the flagpole. Because apparently if you if you put a flagpole on your property and you don't actually change, you know, the land management is designed primarily if you want to put in a septic tank, I mean, if you're going to cut down trees and put up a structure, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's not, I don't think it was ever designed to limit just putting up a flagpole, which is why the the director of, of the management of the planning of the land told them when the attorney contacted him, he said, look, you, you don't have to have a permit just to put up a flagpole. So we'll see how the, the it hasn't been scheduled for a hearing yet. I think what I think is going on here is the county is trying to frame this in the way that they feel like they have a legal case. They realize 
number one, they don't have a, a case against because of freedom of speech against the flag or any message that it may convey. And so they would likely lose that case in court. Uh, so they want to make this about the ordinances. They want to be able to say all these ordinances are in place for everybody. They apply to everybody equally. And so regardless of the message, the this group has not followed proper procedure, and therefore the flag has to come down. But if the elements of the lawsuit are correct, that is nowhere near you know, what, what the case may be because if, if the flagpole was erected and then the ordinance was put in place, they can argue that that was put in place specifically for them. And, and I don't know the chain of events. This is the first story that I've seen about this. But I would suspect that word got out that, this, that they were going to do this, that they own the property and that they put up the flagpole and that the concern was <laughs> – that they were going to put up a Confederate flag or something like that. Um, and so th then the land management ordinance people, they came, they said, well, we need to, we need to make, you know, limit the size of, a of the flagpole. Uh, but according to, I think, precedent, the way things have been done in the past, it, that their flagpole, if it was erected before that ordinance, it has to be grandfathered in. And so then the question becomes, if they were told they didn't have to have a permit for it, um, is that going to stand? I mean, if you've got a document from the agency that you were supposed to get a permit from, according to the county, and the head of that agency says, hey, nope, uh, you don't have to have a, a permit, and then the, you get a, a vote by that board saying, no, we shouldn't have issued you a citation or a, uh, any kind, we shouldn't have said anything about it because obviously you were told that you didn't have to uh, have a permit, that all of this is going to come out in this lawsuit. And it's going to be interesting to see which way it goes. Um, a hearing hasn't been set, but as soon as a hearing is set, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow this one because I'm interested to see what, what interests me about it is not the Confederate flag or, or the message but but I'm interested to see if if you've got the county trying to take an issue like permitting to actually stifle speech that they would rather not have right out on 85, where 80,000 people go by every day. And I when I read that number, I thought 80,000 people every day. There's 80,000 people on the highway when I'm out there. I mean, I, it's got to be more than that. But in any event, you know, can they can they take this? Can they use sort of a land management question to get around the free speech issue? Because what I really suspect is going on here is they just don't want that that Confederate flag up there for everybody to drive by and see that are coming through Spartanburg County. Now, nobody's saying that, and I'm not accusing anybody of of not being honest, but I'm just saying. I suspect that whereas the land management ordinance is certainly something that they want to apply equally to everybody, I would just wonder if this was some other form of speech up there that people would maybe agree with more if the county would be going to these lengths using a management ordinance to try to force them to take it down. Just a thought. Bill is on the phone. 
Bill, you're up. Good morning, Tony. Hey. Hey, uh, it's interesting you're talking about that flag on 85 this morning. I actually had to drive up that way yesterday and been up that way in quite some time. And I noticed that flag. It was obviously very noticeable. And I kind of said to myself, gosh, I'm surprised they allow that flag to be flying up there. <laughs> um, yeah. So is, uh, I guess what, what, what whoever it is that owns that flag or I guess owns the property that the flag is on, uh, they ought to just take the Confederate flag down for a little while and put up a different flag and see if there's a complaint about that. Yeah, well, the problem. Yeah, well, obviously it won't now because the the barn doors are already open, so to speak. Uh, they've already, <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, it's already they put the Confederate flag up, and that's what everybody's upset about. They don't like that flag being up, uh, sure. you know, on the interstate. And I mean, I, look, I'm I, again, I haven't talked to any of these council members, so I'm not going to falsely accuse them without cause of not being genuine about the reasons that they're coming after this thing. But there's no, I, I mean, you, you're talking about land use management rules and a flagpole. You're not talking about building a shelter or putting up a, you know, some type of uh, structure that is going to cause problems. It's eight-tenths of an acre. It's private property, and it's free speech. And I agree with the people, with the Sons of Confederate Veterans, this, the real issue here is free speech. Uh, and I and I think council knows these committees know they can't win on that issue because it's it is well established that private property you can you can put up whatever you pretty much want to on your private property if it doesn't run afoul of these management rules and the management rules evidently have never governed flagpoles until they put up a 120 foot flagpole right on 85. So that just raises a lot of right. questions, you know. But anyway, thanks, yeah, thanks, Bill. I, I I really appreciate the call. It's good to talk to you this morning, Philip. You're next. Hello, Tony. Yeah, um, they will probably get around it because, of course, free speech is for those who they deem deserve it, and not for people who want to put up a flag like that. I know a similar case where they said, "Well, it's very, very high." So that's not there for your private use. That's there to make a statement to the public. But in any event, uh, from the north, uh, I know that I never really understood the Confederate flag until I came down here in the south. Uh, one day I was uh, driving down here when I was looking for a place, and I had a black woman in the car. She's a friend uh, uh, from New Jersey, and she said. Very uh, Christian lady, very nice lady. And she said to me, you know, I don't have a problem with the guys want to show a flag. But some women, if they were to pull up with a flat tire and a guy had a big flag, Confederate flag, on his home or near his person, I wouldn't feel comfortable knocking on that guy's door to help me with my flat tire. And I said, you know, I never thought of that. So for me, when you put up a flag like that, Ask yourself, what am I trying to accomplish? And if it's a, you get that, and if God says to you this, that, and the other, then uh, you'll know your true motive. You just want to annoy people, try to push a boundary, then I think God isn't really behind it. Philip, yeah, thanks. I appreciate the call. Here's here's the thing, though, to me about 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 all of that. Uh, the example that you gave, um, if a person 
is not comfortable walking up to a private residence to knock on the door to ask for help, then that's up to that person. It, you, you've got, you know, the person has the right to not approach the house because they don't like the message or they don't feel comfortable. And the person who lives in the house and owns the property has the right to put the message on the side of their house. And that, and if everybody will just live with that, I mean, if we're, if we will just agree that, yeah, this is not a message I particularly like. Okay. Then you don't have to, you, to look at the message. You don't, I mean, People driving down 85 are going to obviously pass the flag. They're probably going to glance up and see it, but they're going to pass it. I mean, it's not like anybody's screaming uh, some type of message at them. And and I don't know what the message of the Confederate uh, Sons of Confederate Veterans is. You know, the organization, I think, works to recognize the fact that there are people who fought and died on the side of the Confederacy uh, from South Carolina and what whatever we believe about the Civil War, um, and I've made my views plain about this over the years. I, the Civil War was fought over slavery. Uh, I know that there's big debate about states' rights, slavery, uh, but the right that the states were fighting for was to have slaves, uh, and it, it, you know that's essentially what they what the conflict was about. So, you know. I, I think that a, a person has a right on private property, and I'm, I'm a big defender and believer in private property rights. Um, I, 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 you know, that's why I don't want to live in a neighborhood that has a, a neighborhood compact that you have to sign that says that there's a whole bunch of things that you can't do to your property or that you have to do to your property in order to live in this neighborhood. Okay, that's fine. If and and here's the thing, you have a the right to decide. If if do I want to live in this neighborhood bad enough that I'm willing to give up some of my sovereignty over my property that I paid for that either I own or me and the bank owns um, in order to live here. And if you sign a document saying that you're willing to do that, then you should abide by it. And you shouldn't be able to say, "Well, I didn't know you guys were going to you know, come after me because I didn't cut my grass in a timely fashion, or I didn't know you guys were going to come after me because I put a particular symbol on in my yard. I put up my nativity scene at Christmas, and now I got the neighborhood crowd coming after me. No, I mean you just—you get to decide. That—that's what personal and private rights are all about, and that's this group owns that property. And I think they get to decide if they want to put a Confederate flag on that property. That is a question of free speech on private property. And so, you know, that all this, and that's the real issue here. This business about, oh, this is not a free speech issue. This is all about land management. It's about land use. It's about everybody adhering to the law. Well, if they had just simply gone out there gotten the property and stuck a flagpole up and put a flag on it, I might could buy a little bit of that argument. I might be I still think that freedom of speech trumps those other things, but I I might be more sympathetic to the idea that well now wait a minute, we've all got to adhere to the same rules. That kind of goes back to the neighborhood ordinance. If you're gonna move into that neighborhood and agree 
to abide by the rules of the neighborhood, then you really can't complain too much when those rules are oppressive to you. Um, so, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. I mean, from this story in the Greenville News, it sounds to me like they did everything that they could to go and and meet the burden. They asked the question, do we need a permit? They had a lawyer go to the office that makes these decisions. That, do we need a permit to put up a flagpole? And finally, the answer came, nope. And then they go and put up a 120-foot flagpole after getting a permit to run electrical up there. They had to have a permit to do that, um, to, to light it. And then they had to, they checked with the, the FAA. To be honest with you, I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought about 120 feet, but I guess there's, there's probably an ordinance somewhere or a law, federal law, that says if you have a structure that's over a certain height, you have to inform or get a permit from the FAA. So they got that. They, they did everything they were supposed to do, and nobody said boo until the flag went up. Okay? Well, once the flag went up, then it became a free speech issue when everybody starts piling on and saying, oh, no, 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 you've got to have a permit. You've got to, the flagpole's too high. Uh, I, I'm, you know, sorry, but that makes me suspicious. And I think rightly I've, I've got reason to be suspicious. I've just laid out to you why I think that they've, they've turned this. It, it is a free speech issue. It's not a land management issue. If you tried to follow the law, were told certain things, acted on those things, and then somebody comes back and says, oh, no, 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 no. We, we, you know, it's almost like, oh, we didn't know you were going to put up a, a, conf- a Confederate flag. Well, they're the sons of Confederate veterans, okay? What, it, it's a flagpole. I think probably when they saw that pole go up that was 120 feet, I, I just can't believe that somebody didn't say, uh, first thing you know, there's going to be a Confederate flag up there. Now, maybe they didn't know it's going to be 30 by 50 feet. I mean, this thing's huge. But um, still, you know, we're going we're gonna to change the ordinance after that 120-foot flagpole goes up and say, well, you can only have a 30-foot pole. Yeah, well, that's after the fact. That's trying to close the barn door you know, after the cows get out. Um, and it, it think, according to my understanding of the law, that has to be grandfathered in because it was established before the law was put, or the ordinance was put into place. This is not like a, um, a law passed by the House or, the, or by the Senate. This is a, an, an ordinance that governs property use that appears to be done in reaction to. I mean, was it done in reaction to? I don't know. But stop and think about it a second. You know, 120-foot flagpole shows up. Nothing on it yet, but who are these people? Oh, they're the sons of Confederate veterans. They might be putting a Confederate flag up on that pole. Um, well, what can we do? It's a private property. Uh, they got the permit. Oh, well, you can only have a 30-foot flag, flagpole now. That's, I, I have no idea that that's the way this happened. Um, they, they, it may be a coincidence, but it certainly is going to come out in the lawsuit because it's interesting. It's the sons of Confederate veterans that are suing. It's not the county. The sons of Confederate veterans are suing the county saying that you're violating our free speech rights. We did everything we were supposed to do, so it must be that you don't like the message. 
That's going to be an interesting interesting court case, uh, one that I'm definitely going to follow. Still trying to confirm um, the appointment with the Attorney General this morning. We've been, we've been back and forth, and it's not that he doesn't want to be on the show or he's trying to dodge anything. He just, he's been in, involved with the Murdoch uh, trial, and, we, you know, I'm, I'm not sure it was going to depend on where he was and what was happening with that if he could call in today or it would be tomorrow. When we talked on Tuesday, we said, well, um, the, the, you know, there's been no response from the Supreme Court on his request to reconsider the heartbeat bill, so maybe something will break, and that would obviously be an opportunity to hear from the Attorney General. So something broke yesterday. Uh, the court refused to reconsider. And so, um, but, so I don't know for sure, but if he doesn't come on today, I'm pretty sure it'll be tomorrow. We have Senator Kimmel lined up for tomorrow at 7:45. You so, know what happened on the Murdoch trial yesterday, don't you? I don't have I don't, I don't follow it. I haven't read it. I couldn't I can't even say Murdoch correctly. So I don't know what no. They had a bomb threat. The Colleton County uh, uh, courthouse had to take everybody out. Yeah, turned out to be nothing, right? I'm I'm guessing, you know, but the law enforcement yeah. had to get inside so now well, law sure. enforcement's I mean, looking that. into this and seeing what they can find out so. Yeah. You just don't know what's going to happen in that trial. You better be watching. I just you don't get that on your radar. I just don't care what's going to happen in the trial. I mean, I care that there's a bomb threat. I mean, if they're threatening to kill people over uh, a legal process in this country that determines guilt or innocence, um, yeah, that 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 worries me. Uh, but I mean, it, it sounds like it was probably just a threat, um, or they've been. I mean, there's nothing much about it when I was looking through the news this morning. But I just and and I've tried, I've tried to care, but you know, I and and I get it. I there there's a a part of our our culture and society. Oh, this is such a South Carolina thing because this he was a man of influence. Him and his family ran this county and the county and 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 look at all this. I I understand, but I am so focused right now on trying to make our country better, trying to make our culture better, trying to make South Carolina better, trying to keep everybody's attention on the things that are going to matter 10 years from now, five years from now. You know, I he's either guilty or he's innocent, and that's not going to make any difference in your life. And I'm not, I'm not chastising you if you're following it. If you're following it, go for it. Um, but take some time and find out some other stuff that's going on while the Murdoch trial is happening because life goes on, right? Things are happening down in Columbia. They're happening in the nation's capital. We had a State of the Union message that was a pack of lies uh, this week. So, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on. All right, South Carolina to be the only state in the U.S. with no woman on the Supreme Court bench as abortion bans loom. That's the headline in the Greenville News. Tell me that the Greenville News is not biased. Tell me, you read that headline. What's the lead here? Oh, how dare they? How dare the legislature actually refuse to put a woman on the South Carolina Supreme Court? By the way, the two women withdrew. They weren't kicked off. The, the Merit Selection Committee, the commission that is supposed to recommend, there's a 10-member commission that's constitutional. South Carolina Constitution says this is how we're going to elect judges. They vetted. They had two women and one man, and both women 
back they 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 didn't get kicked out they didn't get not voted on they withdrew okay they could have stayed in the race but they didn't and so what what you know they're trying to make it sound like a bunch of mean white republican men that's who's running this country that's who's running the state that's folks that that is terrible you know i would it be good to have a woman on the state Supreme Court? Well, I guess if, if you know, but, but this whole idea that we've got to be concerned about gender. By the way, what is a woman? How do we know that we don't have a woman on the South Carolina Supreme Court? Maybe one of the people that are there is actually a woman because we have no definition of women that we can take to the bank. So what, who's to say? And why does it matter? If women and men are the same and you get to choose one or the other, then why are we having a conversation about why there's not a woman on the South Carolina Supreme Court? And and another question, what is it about the qualifications? When you, when you go to the United to the South Carolina Supreme Court and you look at what are the qualifications to be on the court, I guarantee you gender is not one of them. Yeah, but we should be sensitive to the fact that we need to have a one. No, we shouldn't. We should be sensitive to this fact. We need to pick the best people that we can find that have a judicial philosophy that makes sense and that matches the writing of the Constitution that doesn't have an activist agenda and doesn't respond to all this nonsense about framing the way the Greenville News is doing today, trying to frame this in, well, they're going to put a man on there right when we're talking about abortion bans. What a man! What a men know about abortions? I mean, you can't you can't read the law if you're a man when it comes to abortion. You've got to be a woman to read the law. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we don't have a heartbeat bill for that reason. Now that's not the reason because Kay Hearn's the only woman on the was the only female on the South Carolina Supreme Court. I get it, but all I'm saying is what I care about when it comes to the Supreme Court is whether or not the person is qualified and what their judicial philosophy is, how they're going to read the Constitution. Gender is not supposed to matter, and it doesn't matter until it matters to a bunch of people who have an agenda to push, and they're mad because they didn't get their way. Gene, thanks for calling. Well, <laughs> you, you, uh, you expressed the point that I was going to bring up. How come Greenville uh, News did not do a survey well, of, of the uh, numbers of people that are cis, trans, whatever the heck they call them. Uh, and uh, this is uh, uh, the, uh, what do they call it, die? Diversity, inclusion, and equity, die? The yeah. agenda? Yeah. Well, I, die, I don't, I don't, you like that? Yeah. Die? Okay. Yeah, I'll take, so, I, I get it. I see what you did there. trans, uh, female. Right. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Gene. I appreciate it. Look, here's here's the. Let me just read the first two paragraphs, and you you tell me, okay? You people listening to this program are a lot smarter than I am, so you tell me what this says to you. The South Carolina General Assembly elected Judge Gary Hill to the South Carolina Supreme Court Wednesday, making the state Supreme Court the only one of its kind in the United States with no woman on the bench. The all-male bench emerges the same week that women's reproductive rights and abortion bans continue to dominate state politics. Yeah. What message, please? Intimidation. We're Justice Hill, are you reading this today? You better be careful because we're setting this up 
that you're, you were put on the court, if you dare interpret the Constitution one whit different than Kay Hearn did, then it's going to make you a sexist. It's going to—I mean, we're going to—we're going to come after you as a misogynist. I mean, this is a this this is a thinly veiled threat to Gary Hill and him being on the court. Hill, a 58-year-old Greenville resident, will replace the sole female judge, Justice Kay Hearn, who retired because of state law term limits on judgeships. Yeah, uh, we do limit judgeships. You can't—you're not put on the court for life. You age out at 72. And South Carolina Supreme Court justices are picked by the legislature. And then it talks about uh, Hearn authoring the majority opinion that quashed the 2021 six-week abortion ban. Quashed. You think that's a word that normally journalists would use would use to, to describe this? Or you think that's a, that's a little dramatic? And of course, then you've got Margie Bright Matthews, who's who's coming in. She's just she's appalled um, that, that that she's a Democrat from Colleton who voted against Hill's election. Said that she was voting against the process. I believe that they should have at least given the women an opportunity to stay in the race. I think there needs to be some reform about how the caucus, caucuses interview these judicial candidates. You're right, Margie. You and I agree with that. And the reform has already begun because they actually ask questions about judicial philosophy this time instead of just talking about who knows who and what kind of education qualifications that they have. And by the way, Margie, if you, uh, Senator Bright Matthews, excuse me, if you didn't get the, the, the memo, the two women withdrew their names. They weren't told to withdraw their names. They weren't forced. They withdrew their names. And what are you going to do? Force them to keep their names before the legislature because they're women? We'll be back. 